now it's time for us to eat. We about to get that word. Yes, and you know this gonna be a good one. I would like to introduce to you all who may not know him, and for those that do, this powerful man of God. Come on, Minister Mike. Bring that word to us. Don't just sing it, but if you want to say we're blessed, we got to believe we're blessed. Somebody put a praise on the fact that you're already blessed. Come on, we sang it because ministers are playing it, but we're not just going to sing it, but we're going to believe it in this season that we are already blessed. Oh, come on, I'm looking for a blessed people. Come on, some people that can acknowledge God for what he's been doing. Some people are not afraid to put their mouth or behind what they believe in God. Some people are going to put their hands up and put their hands together and believe God in this season. Come on, shake off that heaviness. Shake off that vain imagination. Shake off that place that does not please God and press your way in, acknowledging that I am blessed of God. His goodness and his mercy follow me all the days of my life. I'm looking for some prophesiers. I'm looking for some people that's going to speak because they know it to be true. It was confirmed this morning talking to a couple individuals. There's a great anticipation going on in the spirit. I was up early and just couldn't find myself being settled because I have an expectation of God. Come on, I have an expectation of what God's going to do. Not in being self-righteous, not being self-entitled, but understanding the God I serve and the station he occupies. There's an expectation for what God is doing. Mm. it's hard not to praise God when you know the truth when you're God conscious it's hard not to praise God when you're aware of what he's already done and what he's already going to do I was preparing to come up and he gave me the scripture Jeremiah 33 and 3 he said call me and I'll answer he said call me and I'll answer I'll show you things that you don't not know of what other religion you know that you can call your deity, he'll answer you. He's going to show you. He's going to show up. He's going to back his promises. It's hard not to praise God when you understand the sacrifice. We understand what God has been doing consistently. It wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. God has been moving on your behalf consistently. That's all right. That's all right. Because I know that I, I can't produce anything of my own hands. I know that my blessings didn't generate from me. I know what my family line deals with, and I know what I'm free of. Okay, I thought y'all was going to praise on that. God declared liberty in my yes with him. When I told God yes, I told everything else no. When I told God yes, I told the bloodline no. I told the curses no. I told the mindset no. When I came into agreement with God, I told everything else no. There's a value in this consciousness when I know I can say yes to God. 
Yes to his reinforcement. Yes to his movement and his power. And no to everything that tries to come against me. I love that the Bible says that the weapons would form, but they would not prosper. They can try it, but it's not going to work. They can come against me, but I got more for me than they are against me. It's hard not to praise God. It don't really take much. I remember Pastor Smith said it when he was preaching, I could be in the grocery store and a quick praise. I can be pumping gas in the car, quick praise. I can be thinking about the goodness of Jesus and all of Rotobo Sando Shai, all he's done for me, quick praise. I love that there's no form or fashion to how I get to praise God, but the fruit of my lips, the content of my heart, and the character of my discipleship, I can open up my mouth and praise God where I am. We're going to get to that place in consciousness where we understand that God is omnipresent. Wherever I go, he goes with me. I believe the word said if I made my bed in hell, oh yeah, come on. If I put my bed in the heights of heaven, he'd be there also. The Bible says in Joshua 1 and 9, be not afraid or be dismayed for the Lord thy God goes with you. This consciousness makes me aware of God. Let me know that wherever I go, if I look to my left and to my right, he is there for me. This is not just a theme. This is not just an ideology of understanding. We have to get into that place where we see God like never before. That we understand God like never before. The age and the season for the pew warmer is over. The season of just getting fat on the word of God is over. He's looking for those to enlist in his agenda. He's looking for those who are going to pick up their cross and walk with him. And it comes in our consciousness. Our awareness of who God is. Consciousness. I don't have to say anything. If you have a relationship, if you are aware of God, it doesn't take much. Y'all go home and have your seats. We're going all through the word today. Now don't let me interrupt your praise. If you got more, give it to him. I'm in no rush. If you got more, give it to him. If he's bringing things back to your remembrance, give it to him. If you remember what you prayed last night, give it to him. I remember the songwriter said, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing that I've ever done. I've told a lot of people I love you. And I've been in a lot of situationships. But falling in love with Jesus, okay. I have some people who believe and love God. Y'all not going to get me to sing. Y'all better leave me alone. Nope. Wait till the new anointing drops. Wait till, you know, my, my betrothed's anointing drop on me. Maybe I'll sing then. It's just that sweet. You feel that stillness? You feel that safety? It's not, it's not comfortability. It's safety. 
knowing that you're good. You know how baby really goes to sleep? The baby trusts the arm that's under them, and I'm able to go to rest and be at peace because I trust the safety of what's under me. Come on, sing that love song to God. He doesn't care about off notes and wrong keys. Give that love song to God. what protected come on that's your consciousness speaking yes God no place I'd rather be hallelujah put your hands together for Jesus Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. I love the relationship. Do you know you have to be God conscious to speak Christ's love language? That you have to be God conscious to speak that love language in praise. Come on. Today's message, we're talking about the value of consciousness. You're already speaking the language of value. The eruption of praise, the unity and the bond of peace, that's already the value. Let's jump into the word. It is proven that people will invest, consider, and pursue the things that they find significance or value in. One example, look why you go to work. You find value in the fact that they pay you so that you keep showing up. In the transition from the unconscious mind, the pathway to success is finding value in said transition. It is easy for you to sit and hear what the preacher or teacher has to say on any subject, but naturally or unconsciously in this instance, you won't apply the subject matter unless you find purpose for it in your life. It is apparent that when we come out of our unconscious thinking and behavior, we align ourselves with the purposes of God, the will and the agenda. The Bible admonishes us to rightly prioritize our matters with the pursuit of the kingdom first. What first? Okay, this side. What first? My job. Overtime. Children. Husband. Oh, I was about to say something else, Jesus. Okay, amen. Woo, gotta be quick to catch my tongue. Amen. (laughs) Listen, because if we understand consciousness, we'll understand the Bible better. Because the authors that wrote in the Bible were conscious of God. Why do you think the scripture says that God inspired these men to write? Jesus never penned anything. He didn't put any, you know, quill to papyrus. He didn't say any. He inspired these individuals to write. Where's inspiration come from? The consciousness of the subject matter that I'm dealing with. The prioritizing uh, alignment comes solely from God's consciousness, and it may look unusual. It may feel uncomfortable and cause some shifting. Somebody say shifting. I only had half the church say shifting. That's all right. Because shifting comes at a cost, but we'll get there. In the end, you'll be reaping the greatest reward. Today's message stands to solidify the value in becoming God conscious, Matthew 6 and 33. To charge your pursuit of this next place in God, 
1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, and to bring understanding that God reciprocates effort. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Matthew 6, 33, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, and Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Amen? Matthew 6 and 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So often we quote this scripture, but I believe we miss the formula amid the sentence structure. Seek first the kingdom of God. Reading this part it is obvious that God requires that he and his matters be put first in the hearts and minds of believers. Let's be practical. And oftentimes in our unconscious nature, we are not thinking about God. We are self-teaching, self-leading, and self-edifying. There's a reason that God uh, does not despise the broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's often in that broken place that we see God for the remedy and resource that he is. It's often, you know, the, the illustration that he gave me in my notes is that when the shepherd breaks the knee of the sheep, now I understand why I wasn't supposed to leave. Now I get it that I wasn't supposed to go anywhere. So it's oftentimes when we get into that broken space that we begin to see God. Look at the prodigal son. While the inheritance was intact, everything was lovely. When, when, when the, I, say, I say how God say, when the pockets is fat, everything is okay. When my bank account got zeros and commas in it, everything's lovely. He had no problem walking around daddy's land because I know my daddy got it like that. Everything was cool as long as everything was cool. But it wasn't until he looked at the pig's food that the Bible said he came to himself. It wasn't until he got into that lowly place where my pockets and my basins are empty that he said he came to himself. He came back to the reasoning of himself. If I can't say it any better, consciousness is the word. It took a very low place for this man to come to the consciousness that what I thought I had and who I thought I was is not this illustration. Because if I thought who I was was real, I wouldn't be looking at a pig trough. How many times have we been there in our lives? We thought we were big and bad until something had to humble us. That something had to come through and change your perspective of yourself. Not that God ever wants you to be in that place of being overbearing in your, your uh, depiction of yourself, but he will humble you. I heard it in an interview yesterday, I try to humble myself because God's hand is too heavy. And I laugh because the, the individual, he's a worshiper, he was talking about the hand of God is too heavy when he has to humble you. Because you, he gives you opportunity to do it yourself. He gives you opportunity to check your own behavior. But then, you know, he has to show up and do what he, you know, has to do. It's unfortunate that we have to get to that place before we receive and embrace God for the truth that he is. But the Father knows best. Somebody declare that Father knows best. I want you all to remember that this week when he changes your mind. When you get faced with a decision this week and he changes your mind, remember what you just said. Father knows best. Because God knows I'll be wanting to be in that other place. But Father knows best. Once the son came to his senses, he prepared to make his way home. Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. And it reads, So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick, 
Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I love the last part. It says, so let the party begin. What the, son, what the son saw as a disgrace, the father saw as a blessing. The son prepared this speech to explain his behavior, but the father was overjoyed at the fact that the son had returned. In his returning, the father poured blessings upon the returned son, stating once he was dead, once he was lost, now he's come back to life and been found. In our unconscious nature, we're perpetually in that dead space. We're perpetually in that space between coming to ourselves and thinking we need to give God an excuse. Doesn't the Bible tell us that we're going to fall short of the glory? It tells us that the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So God's already aware of the fact that we're going to have our off moments. Even in that unconscious state, we think we have to give him a narrative. That we have to give him an excuse as to where I've been. God is what? Omnipresent. He did, I don't have to explain anything. I need to come to my senses. That's what's more important. I need to get back to that consciousness that I once had. We're perpetually in that dead space when God is prepared to pour out blessings as we return into life through our consciousness. We've been enduring in a space that God did not call for us. We've been in a survivalist mindset under the unconscious nature of humanity, thinking that the nine to five is sufficient. My check on every other Friday is good enough. Long as I got food on the table and my lights still turn on. Apostle, I do that trick every time I walk in my... Woo! Listen here. Listen. I walk in my apartment. I look on the floor. Ain't no notes. All right, cool. It's lit. All right. I check my mailbox and... Oh, just Eversource. Just Eversource. All right, cool. We good. We good. But we've been enduring in that space where enough is just enough. God did not say that I've come to give you life in just enough. God didn't come to say, I've come to give you life and you'll get by. God said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. How do we achieve that abundant space when we're just surviving? When we're being moved and motivated through our unconscious nature for enough just to be enough. I don't know about anybody else, but I love the blessings of God. I love that his math is not normal. I love that he likes to overdo in his love language towards me. I love the fact that God is not just going to give you a little, but he's going to give you a lot for your little. Somebody will catch that. Somebody will catch that. Because he said, what did he say? A mustard seed of faith. We had it in here one time. A mustard seed is smaller than the nail on your pinky. For that much faith, you can move mountains. Imagine if you gave your life to him. Imagine what would happen if you gave your consciousness to God. If a mustard seed can move the mountain I see today, what if I gave my whole mind to God? What if I caused my life to line up under the precepts of God? If a mountain is moved by something so minuscule, something so important as my life, if I give it to God, his math is crazy. The return on the investment is high. Let's go to... 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. We're not going to read them all, but we're going to focus more so on verses 10 through 13. In this uh, verse of scripture, we read that prophet Samuel is mourning the situation that's taking place with King Saul. The, son, the Lord commands him to go and anoint the new king. In this passage of scripture, we see that Samuel goes to anoint the sons of Jesse that look the part and have the stature of a king. But God rejects them and goes for the ready youngest son, 
who's out tending to the sheep and the goats. We just read the first part in Matthew 6 and 33. What does he ask that you do? That you put his matters first. I'm sure that the brothers were talking about the prophet coming, and I'm sure you saw the preparing of the prophet coming, but I stayed in the field. I stayed diligent to what I have to do. I stayed focused and conscious of my assignment rather than getting so caught up in the things that are going on around me. God is not unaware or uncognizant of the legitimacy of our lives, that bills do need to be paid. Things need to be done. I got to spend time with my kids. I got to do certain things that are self-loving and self-edifying. Cool. But what is more important to you? If you look at the formula in the Bible, what it says is after you sought my things, after you prioritize your life, everything shall be added to you afterwards. We don't like afterwards. We've gotten to a place where we are entitled, unfortunately, and we don't like afterwards. We like instant gratification. And that's not how God is working. But we'll see more of that as we continue to go. We must see that for the metaphor that it is. While some are looking the part and have the stature, God is looking for those who has the character and the consciousness. It's cool to look holy. It's cool to put on the three-piece suits and the pectoral crosses and all these other things and cossacks and all that. It's cool to look holy. But what is the content of the character and your consciousness? If Jesus was to crack the sky right now, my pectoral cross is not getting me into heaven. If Jesus was to show up right now, the quoting of scriptures that I've memorized is not going to get me into heaven. Do you know that you can still be found a worker of iniquity with scripture written in your mind? That you can still find yourself in that place knowing that you found a form of godliness, but you've denied the power. The power of what? The power of your consciousness. The power of your awareness in God. Watch this math, right? Ready? David was anointed in the verse of scripture at the age of 15, but we don't read him ascending to the throne until 2 Samuel 5 and 4 at the age of 30. I can only imagine what God was doing with this young man in 15 years of time. We often think when God starts blessing, that means we're promoted. We often think that when God shows up and answer prayer, now is my season. We forgot to learn how to sit and be patient in God, be timely in God. I use this as a metaphor to show that uh, the God consciousness or the development of God consciousness is not an abrupt change, but a gradual change of attitudes, mindsets, and character. Watch the life of David. David went from a shepherd to a giant slayer to a leader to being opposed to being king of all Israel and Judah. God was yet developing him in his consciousness. Imagine if David would have overshot his shot and as soon as Samuel left, started talking to his brothers crazy. Mind you, Jesse had seven sons. You think they wouldn't have packed them out? You think they wouldn't have jumped them talking crazy? We see what happened to Joseph. Told the dream to people and what happened. So imagine if David would have started feeling himself outside of consciousness. What if he fell back into that unconscious nature and thought himself to be of more stature than what he'd earned? And started talking to people crazy and behaving out of sorts because the great prophet Samuel came and anointed me with oil. And I'm going to be king. So now you have to serve me. What does that sound like? Oh, it sounds like some of us in our unconscious nature. As soon as God answers a piece of the prayer, we're so ready to jump and start acting like we've never been nowhere where the bottom is. We have to stay in that humble space, knowing that if God did it now, he can do it again. But if I come out of sorts, if I go back into that unconscious mindset, the door closes. The key to the door and blessings in God is your consciousness. 
being aware. I love that Apostle uh, Bill said it. Preparing the receiver to receive. At your consciousness, understanding that, yes, the blessings are abundant, but you have to be in a certain condition to receive them. We see a portion of this consciousness in 2 Samuel 6 and 14. The Bible says that David danced in praise to the Lord with all his might, wearing nothing but the linen ephod. David came out of the prestige of the king and got back to his primary ministry, which is ministering to God. While surrounded by the men he commanded, David got back to that place that mattered most. You notice his consciousness because I'm the king, and I'm standing amidst all the men that I command. I'm standing amidst these people who are looking for my leadership, but what's more important right now as the Ark of the Covenant is being returned is that I praise God. What's more important as the blessings are flowing is that we praise God. What's more important, oh, I was going to say that the third time, because we have to remember that no matter how he's moving and how he's blessing, our first duty is praise and worship. Our first duty is ministering unto God. It wouldn't matter the platform, the likes, the views, the shares, the opportunities. If I cannot bless God from where he's bought me from, I don't deserve to be there. This is God conscious as David was not too caught up with the surrounding sensation to know the significance of what was happening. God honored David for his consciousness. He was known as a man after God's own heart. We always talk about David's sin, but we never talk about his character. We're quick to talk about Bathsheba. We're quick to talk about he almost let Absalom take the kingdom. We're quick to put the man on trial for the things he did in his unconscious nature. But do we talk about the consciousness? That David was anointed to be king and didn't feel no kind of way bringing bread to his brothers on the battlefield. David didn't feel any kind of way after he slew the giant and Saul said, you'd be the commander of my army. David was able to stay in that consistent consciousness so humility was his portion. Most of the opposition to this teaching is our thinking about ourselves. There's a famous quote that says, our greatest fear isn't that we're inadequate, but that we're powerful beyond measure. Listen to that. Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate, we're not even really aware of the fact that we might be inadequate. Our greatest fear is that there's no limit on the power that we have. What did God not give us? A spirit of fear. That fear is the unconscious mind, the unconscious nature that you don't believe that you can be as great as the Bible said you could be. Didn't the word say that greater works shall you do? Not greater the station, but greater works will you do? So if, God, if Jesus is saying this through the inspiration in the scripture, how do we not believe it? How do we not behave and move as if we're aware of the fact that greatness resides on the inside of us? We've mistakenly adopted this insufficient mindset or perspective of ourselves while still ascribing to the doctrine that we're self-sufficient. Basically, we found ourselves being caught between two opinions. That's literally where we're at in this, in this season and time. The body is caught between two opinions. We're being bewitched by ourselves. It wasn't a witch doctor, it wasn't a demon. Your own automatic thoughts, your own track of thoughts are bewitching you to think that you're not who God called you to be. Caught between two opinions. But we understand and we've learned here that the Bible is what? The final constitution, the solidified word of God. The word says that his word cannot return unto him void, but shall accomplish what has been sent out to do. You are the articulated word of God. He spoke you into existence. You can't return to him. 
without being fulfilled? Why don't we know that? If the heavens are in agreement and God's in agreement and all the angels understand the assignment and they've gone to do the, the responsibility of making sure the path is made straight, why are we the only ones not invited to this party? Or in our minds, we don't believe that greatness lives all on the inside of here. I was talking with an individual who uh, recently had some health problems and I understand that the experience of going through that changed their mind. It caused them to come out of consciousness in God and walk into unconsciousness. Look how the Bible asked the questions in Matthew 6. Why do you have so little faith? I believe it's 6 and 30. It talks about God takes care of the lilies of the field and the, the sparrows don't you know, do anything to take care of themselves. Why do we have so little faith? Apostle masterfully taught it uh, in the, the gathering in New Haven. A faith that can be seen can be destroyed. Meaning if what I'm believing in is only consistent and only derived of what I can see, it can be tampered with. I got so excited, I was trying to take pictures of mine in my business, but I got excited because I love the, the lack of science, I use that, when Peter walks off the boat. Because man science says that the matter and the mass of man should not be able to walk on molecules of water. But in consciousness, Peter said, God or Jesus, if that's you, beckon me to come. He didn't ask any other questions. Don't give me no signs. Don't show me the palms of your hands. If that's you, tell me to get off the boat. Come. Peter steps off the boat. No looking to the left or right. Didn't ask his brothers to help him over. He gets off the boat. He's walking on water. Anybody know the law of gravity? Anybody know that this is not supposed to work? That he should have got off the boat and sank immediately? Look what God consciousness produced. A miracle happened in the midst of just believing. In an instant of believing in consciousness, a miracle happened. Remember talking to Brother Tim and late Pastor Jerry and talking about when Moses was called to leave the, uh, the Egypt land and got to the Red Sea. All Moses was told to do was lift your hand. In a moment of God consciousness, Moses lifts his hand. And when he lifts his hand, what happens? The water separates. The dry ground is laid right here and the water separates. Again, do we understand science? This is not supposed to happen. The winds are not supposed to divide the water in that degree. Where they were able to walk across dry land and keep moving. Do you see what happens in consciousness? That the limits are off. That what's been holding you down is over. What's been opposing you does no, no longer exist in our consciousness. We're so quick to believe the report of other people. We're so quick to believe the report of the doctors and the credit report and all these other paperwork. I was told the other day that I can't have what I want because the numbers don't match. Do you not know the God that I serve? I'm not worried about your math when his math is so much better. The consciousness of it. I don't care if the bank account didn't add up. If God wants to bless me, the Bible says that the doors are open cannot be closed and those that are closed cannot be open. If he wants to pour out blessing that we don't have room enough to receive, I'm going to be in a position to overflow. But if you believe the report, if you allow your unconscious thinking to conquer what God says concerning you, he says, I know the plans that I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and an expected end. He says that I order the steps of the righteous man, and in his ways I show delight. But if your unconscious mind tells you a lie against the word of God, you gave life to the lie.
I don't like being lied to. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. Don't lie to me because you're telling me that I'm stupid. You're telling me that you're smarter than me and you can trick me. What if you're the one that's tricking yourself? What is it you the one that's self-swindling? You've been tarrying and you've been praying and you've been giving. You've been getting a little white stuff in the corner of your mouth from saying Jesus all day. But you don't believe the old words that are coming out of your mouth. You at this altar Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, but you don't believe the promises of God. Last time I checked, the Bible said that power of life and death resides in my tongue. So if I want it, and it's in the will, now mind you, that's consciousness. I don't start asking for stuff that's outside of his will. I don't start asking for stuff all willy-nilly abusing the power. But if I'm in my consciousness, I speak life to the blessings of God concerning me. Everything that's been released out into this heaven that belongs to me, I receive it now because I believe it. In my consciousness, I'm aware of what God can do. In my consciousness, I'm aware that in this text of scripture that's over 2,000 years old, he was talking about me. Uh, see, we haven't learned to make the Bible personal. It's just Job, it's just David, it's just Moses. That these aren't foreshadows of what the believer can do. I love the story of Job because everyone looks at Job as if he lost so much. Job gained more than you could ever imagine. I lost my kids, I lost my animals, I lost my wife. My friends are telling me to curse God and die, but in the midst of staying conscious in God, I've got closer proximity to God. I've got closer relationship with God. I can talk to him different. I can move different. I don't know about anybody else. I didn't sign up to be on this team to sit still and grow old in a pew. I was all right in the world. I had a little stature, I had a little money. I was moving a certain way, I could do what I want. I'm Big Mike, I could do what I want. I didn't sign up for this team and give all that up to sit still. If the Bible talks about blessings, if the Bible talks about promises that are yea and amen, yes and they are so, I'm gonna make sure that I stay in consciousness so I don't get in the middle of what God is doing in my life. I'm not in a season to be a saboteur of my own blessings. There's value in your consciousness. When you stay consistent with the mind of God, you walk in favor. You move in provision. You walk in promises. These things follow you. Praise and worship said it perfect this morning. That goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Not just Thursdays, not just Saturdays, but all the days of my life. That's consciousness. We must understand that God is always in the position to reciprocate effort. Specifically, in this context, the sacrifice of taking on his consciousness. God is not going to ask you to do something without a response. He's not going to put you in a lane to complete an assignment or to do something on his behalf and not have a response. Songwriter calls him the good, good father. That he's always in a position to open hand you. He's not going to ask you to do something and take advantage of the fact that you did it and not acknowledge your effort. Now, you may have not done it right the first time, the third time, the 10th time, 23rd time, but the fact that you are trying, God honors a try. Oh, listen, so y'all ain't had to repeat assignments before? Let me talk to my leader. Uh, you ain't had to tell me to do something two and three times until I figured it out? Amen. I can be honest. Because <laughs> sometimes you will slip into your unconscious nature and you didn't hear the assignment correctly. But that will, yeah, we'll leave that where it's at. 
Let's go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. The word says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, let's put in un unconscious nature, will harvest decay and death from that nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Transitioning from the unconscious state requires sowing in the spirit what is required to change. This is the developing the heart and mind of a disciple, embracing servitude and walking in obedience. Let's be a little honest. We all joined Team Jesus because it felt good in that service. It felt real charged up, and I, I felt the anointing of God in that service, so I decided to give him a yes until he told you that you have to change. Not that the church requires you to change, but the living embodiment of the spirit inside you requires a change. How can the spirit live in that unclean place if you told him yes? It was all rainbows and butterflies until you were told you had to do something. It sounded good. Cause, listen, I was desperate when I found Jesus. Like, listen here, I'm about tired. I'm going to check out this race. I'm over it. This is trash. I don't want to be here. Then I found the Lord. I'm like, oh, this is, you love me this much? I was telling somebody the revelation of having a loving father growing up in an absentee father relationship blows my mind on a regular basis. When my tangible daddy I couldn't find, my heavenly father is always where I need him to be. All I have to do is say his name, shows up. I remember times calling my daddy, paging my daddy, going to the block looking for him and couldn't find him. But God, on the other hand, all I have to do so much is think about him and he's present to me. All I have to do is stay in that conscious mindset and God is always around. What has God become the remedy to in your life? I remember reading the scripture and it blew my mind. I believe it's Psalms 29 and 10. When my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. And I thought, did he write that to me? Can I look in the little footnotes and see if Mike Rose was written down there? Because that, that void that you have, when somebody's been missing out of your adolescence and your development stage, and God shows up and fills it up, and not just fills it up, but renews it, and not just renews it, but does more than what you thought he was going to do, and not just go past your thoughts of what you can imagine or think, but he does what only God can do. Anybody forget about some hardships and somebody reminded you, like, that really happened? Word? I did that? Oh, God just be that good to me. Sometimes people tell me stories of things I've done. When? That was me? Who unconscious thinking? Because you were tripping. Oh, my God. Sometimes I like when, when Facebook give you the memories and you go down to the bottom of the memory, I scroll right to the bottom and I erase all the ones that got cuss words in them. I go straight to the bottom. Nope, we're not going to say that word today. We're going to erase this because if God wants to use me, y'all not going to use this Facebook to trap me up. I'm erasing all of this. But even that is prophetic because if you look at the memory, it'll show you your transition from unconscious to consciousness. That what you used to post and what you used to proclaim and what you used to say to what you believe and profess now. I'm still deleting the cuss words, though. <laughs> I'm still deleting all of those because y'all not going to get me. You know how they do the stars? They go back in your past and find the tweets that you thought you forgot about and then you made it big and they put the tweets right in front of you. Not I, says the cat. <laughs> 
It won't be me. Look at the scripture. For those who sow in the sinful nature or in the unconscious nature, they harvest decay and death. What kind of harvest is that? Let's think about a real, real uh, farmer or harvester. The amount of physical labor and toil they got to put into breaking up the ground and putting seeds in just to get death back? Man, I've been out here all day busting this hard ground and putting seed in here, then went and dragged water to put water over here, and I'm getting death back. That seems like I'm in the wrong side of this relationship. That unconscious mindset only projects what you feel you desire, but it has no fruit really of it. We have, uh, where are we at? We must understand that we have a portion of God's endowment of power. What we do with our hands is not, that is not sown in the purposes of God will wash away. God's consciousness is being willing to be used whenever the master sees fit without excuse. Being God conscious is sowing in the spirit with the benefit of reaping everlasting life. The Bible says we reap everlasting life for what? Believing in Christ, John 3, 16. How can we believe in Christ and not adapt our lives to walking like his? Galatians 2 and 20 says it best. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting. I live in this earthly body by having consciousness. I live in this earthly body by being conscious in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have to understand in this level of consciousness, we're no longer bound or known by generational curses. We're no longer bound or known by the labels, the mishaps, the missing out on destiny, the mishandling, the things that are negative that they used to know me by in my consciousness no longer exist. God goes to restore. The Bible, I believe it says in Isaiah, that our sins are once light, red like crimson, but now he's come to make us white as snow. That's consciousness. Because I, I wear a lot of red, and I can see a lot of red. So if I, you are walking in that condemned mindset, all you're going to see is your transgression. You're going to see how far you are from God. You're going to begin to see uh, uh, what I'm not doing. But in your consciousness, God has come to wash the slate clean. God has come to make you white as snow so that you understand that there is more value in consciousness. Therefore, there is value in you. Oh, somebody got that. You have to understand that God wouldn't do all this labor and work if you did not have value. Why would he put his only begotten son in the matter of a man to be laid to the slaughter that he did not deserve if you weren't significant? If you weren't worth the investment, do you think a just God would do that? Do you think a just God would waste all this time millennia of time teaching and revelating and revealing the word if you didn't mean anything? The value of consciousness is to change your mind. Change how you perceive things and yourself. We need to understand that there is value in having God conscious and there's a great deal of value in ourselves. I love that this morning I was speaking to the Lord. He begins to say that he's drawing us near through our consciousness. That the proximity that, or the lack of proximity that we used to have in him is because of how we think. Because how we think dictates how we behave. And how we behave has us walk out this thing. When you're walking in an unconscious mindset, you're literally walking in death and decay. These things don't go before God. So as much as he's been wanting this relationship with us, as much as he's been wanting to pull you near and to heal that broken heart, to embrace you, to make you better, to heal you of infirmity, your unconscious mind has been thwarting the effort. 
Why would Father God want us to have his mind if not to draw us closer to him? I was getting ready to come up and the Lord finished the conclusion. He said, David's friend was killed for touching the Ark of the Covenant. But in this season, God draws us into the holy place. That comes from consciousness. The door has always been open. The door has been sitting there. The entrance to the holies of holies has been present the entire time. Apostle Price taught when she was here that when we fell from Eden, we lost our ability to see God. The door never left, though. We just can't see it. We have to obtain and secure the consciousness so we can see our rightly God-called place. God is looking to draw us in our pursuit of him into this phase of development and edification in this time. We must activate the reciprocating aspect of God. Doors are opening. Favor is being dispensed. Prayers are being answered. As we condition ourselves in his consciousness, let us see the value in what he's doing. Amen? Amen. We are standing. I hope more than just one person received it. Oh, that sounded good. See, Apostle says something because you know I'm not going to tell my Apostle no, but I don't want to sing. I've been hollering this whole time. Yeah, she said she's going to sing. I am conscious of the fact that I can't sing. <laughs> don't y'all be clapping and stuff. Hold on, we got we got one week till we one flesh. You want to help me? No. I, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever ever done. That was all apostles. Now y'all finish the words. As long as I feel protected in his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. It's the best thing I'd rather be. Listen, the altar is open. If you want to expand your consciousness, if you know there's a place you need to be in God that requires your sight to change, this is the time. The waters are already stirred. The atmosphere is already set. Don't waste another opportunity in God to change how you see you and how you see him. This is the hour and the time. The altar is open. Come on, if you know that this is your time in God, if you've envisioned a new you, a different you, you walking in the will and the path of God, the altar is open for you. We speak blessings up here. We prophesy up here. We declare and decree up here. In his arms, I feel protected. Is the best thing I'd rather be. Come on, y'all help me. We're not spectating, we're praying. Falling in love with Jesus.
Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus is the prettiest thing I've ever done even in that if you know loving Jesus is the best thing you could ever do and you need a little encouragement in this season to step out like Peter did come off the boat a little bit and understand that there's a conscious place that God is calling you to the altar is open come on if you're in the crowd I need you praying praising and praying Come on, keep singing, keep singing. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Is the best thing I've ever done. Deacon Pat, don't go too far. Deacon Pat, don't go too far. He said your name early this morning. He said, last week I told you who gives you the authority to speak. This week I say I'm drawing you near. He says, I've given you the oil of wisdom. If you open up your mouth, I'll give you the words to speak. Be conscious of the value I've put in you, says the Lord. Be conscious of the significance I give the words in your mouth. I told you years ago, older women are supposed to teach the younger women how to be. God has given you the oil of wisdom, and he's going to call you to speak in this season. Trust him. Remember that loving Jesus is the best thing that you've ever done. He's called you out of many a kingdoms and falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that you've ever done. This is the season. Your consciousness is nigh. This is the season. Reach out and grab it and never let it go. Minister Tate, this is your season, sir. Your consciousness is right here. Legitimate things have tried to distort how you see, but the consciousness of God is your portion. There's a great anointing on you. There's a great assignment for There's a great assignment on you, but your consciousness is the key to how you get from point A to point B. Believe God puts its significance on you. He wants you to walk in miracles. He wants you to prophesy. He wants you to preach. He's called you to be the leader, a fisher of men. But you have to see it, fisherman. You have to see and determine my level of consciousness. The season isn't over for you, sir. You haven't missed anything. The season in God, he said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I control all time. You haven't missed anything. Your consciousness, sir is your pursuit. Minister Angela, I see the Lord working it out.
what I just saw was a knot becoming undone. He's called you to do the things that you've seen. But the, step out right here. I want to I make eye contact. What God has called you to do will not be hindered in this season if you acquire the consciousness required to complete the assignment. He has called you. The words do matter. The position and station matter. But you cannot afford to sabotage the will of God. Let him work out the heavy things. Let him do the heavy lifting. He's your remedy. He's your resource. No matter where you reach, the Bible says the arms of flesh will always fail. But great is thy faithfulness towards us. He wants to show you his faithfulness in this season. That you know that this relationship is real. It's consistent. It's binding. He's holding you up. He loves you a lot. The weight is all in my chest. He loves you a lot. More than what we can fathom sometimes. But next time it gets hard, lean into it. Remind yourself that God loves me enough to have me not just endure, but to be successful. Amen? Come on, we're still working at this altar. We need breakthrough. We need deliverance up here. because you know I'm looking right at you. I'm glad you're looking at me because I'm looking at you. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You dress like you have value. You move like you have significance. What are we going to do about it? Your path is unique. God put it out there just like that because you're special. The Bible says peculiar people as he called us. What are we going to do about it? Legitimate things have happened. Mishandlings have happened. Situations and traumatic instances have happened. But your consciousness of what God promises you is different than what has happened. What are we going to do about it? Don't answer me. That's between you and God. Love you, bro. It's good to see you. Only in love with Jesus the best thing I've ever done in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected in his arms I feel there's no place I'd ra rather be. Sister Erica, is, it, is that vacation glow on you or is that the kabod? Is that is that that island glow on you or that's the glory? Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure. You know there's value there, right? You know it's not just situational. It's not just right now. You know there's value there, right? Do you remember what he bought you out of? Do you believe in what he's bringing you? What you gonna do about your consciousness?
The Bible is about you. It's a story written about you. What you gonna do with it? We bless God for those who are at this altar, those who know that consciousness is required in this season. We bless God for our online viewers. Wherever you're hearing this message, know that God gives you value and significance, so much so that he calls you to be in his consciousness, his mindset, and understand. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and time, God, that, Father, you saw it fit to pour out in us, God. We thank you now in the name of Jesus that James 1 and 5 says that we can ask for wisdom. We will not be rebuked because you give it abundantly, God. We pray a further download, a further manifestation and maturation of your consciousness, God, that in the seasons to come, we're moving in the supernatural. We're moving in miracles, signs, and wonders. We're moving in the ordinance and power and might of God. That what goes on in the third heaven will be uh, uh, magnified and multiplied in the second. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and praise now and forever be it unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have feel the need to, to sow, we know what we do here. We sow into good ground. Label this money your consciousness. I'm sowing into my consciousness. No longer death and decay but things of eternal life. Feel free to give. You don't have to wait for the usher. Free feel to, get, uh, to come up and give. Cash app, dollar sign, T-A-H-131. Or you can tithely. We do have a swiper somewhere in the building. Amen. God bless you all, my father's children. We love you. Walk in his consciousness. Amen. <laughs>